Was her name really Lou? Uh, it was, was it? I think there was fate involved somewhere there, wasn't there? Yeah, it, was, it was bound to happen. Perhaps not. Well, it's good to be with you. And um, as Darren has already said, we have been looking over the past four weeks, including this week, at the subject of marriage. And this is the final session. And I want to say a big thank you to the church for inviting me and trusting me with this subject and uh, it's been challenging for me in both my preparation and perhaps in the presentation as well. I haven't found it the easiest subject to look at and I hope though that God has spoken through it to, to help you and to bring some clarity to you as individuals and as a church as well and there is this booklet, this document that's been prepared by the elders um, which I haven't used as a script for what I've looked at over the past three weeks, but uh, I know has been a bit of a backdrop to the thinking of the church as well. This week is going to be slightly different. And as in a marriage ceremony, there is that point where a question is asked of the individuals who are about to get married, whether they will commit to each other. Towards the end of uh, our time this morning, I'm going to ask... Uh, challenge you as well regarding a similar commitment. So I just want to plant that seed in your mind. But let me ask you another question, and uh, you can respond, you can shout out if you want. And be careful what you say, because a lot of you are sitting next to husbands, wives, partners. But what would you say are the traits, are the marks of an ideal husband, wife, partner? And remember, if you say something that's not in you, you'll get a dig in the ribs, probably. But what are some of the marks of an ideal husband or wife? Trust. Unquestionable trust. Pardon? Sorry. Listening. Listening. Respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Sorry, yes, respect. Patience. Love. Commitment. Forgiving. Forgiveness. Okay. Well, we could go on, couldn't we? We could go on. Um, it isn't always there for various reasons. We're going to see a video that's fairly lengthy. It's uh, coming up to five minutes long. And um, it perhaps picks up on some of those things and what or who it is that can make a difference in a, in a, in a marriage. Let's uh, just sit back and watch this. I promise to love, honor, and respect you. I promise to love, cherish, and protect you. From this day forward. Till death do us part. I remember our wedding day. It was awesome. I mean, my dress was gorgeous, and all of the flowers were so beautiful. And everybody that I loved was there, you know, all of my family. And the day was just amazing. I mean, it was good. It was really, really good. And there was this moment right before I walked down the aisle, and I remember looking up to God and just feeling so thankful for this man that he had given me. I was scared to death. Seriously, I thought I was going to pee my pants. I mean, I don't usually get in front of people like that, let alone wearing a tux. <laughs> Come on. I, I forgot to go to the bathroom before the ceremony started, and, and I kept thinking, don't pee yourself, and don't lock your knees, and keep breathing. And then all of a sudden, I looked up. 
And there she was. She took my breath away. I never wanted it back. Our honeymoon was amazing. I mean, we went to a tropical island, and it was just a whole week of relaxing, and we got to walk on the beach a lot and just spend time together. We were just so in love. We went to the street vendors, you know, and, and we were looking around at stuff, and we didn't have a lot of money, but I picked up this amber necklace, and I put it up against her skin, and I knew she had to have it because she was worth it. And then we went home. Once we got home, it was like something strange started to happen. It, it was like aliens came into our bedroom, scooped out his brain, and filled it with gummy bears. Oh, honey, are those your dirty dishes in the sink? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know we have a dishwasher, right? What? Yeah, yeah, and you're really good at it too, sweetheart. Um, would you not interrupt me when I'm watching TV? Or at least wait till commercial. You see what I mean? Gummy bears. After the honeymoon, I had a sneaking suspicion that she was sneaking out at night and taking night classes at some college on some foreign language because everything she said made zero sense. Do you like this shirt on me? Yeah, looks good. So you don't like the color? What? If you don't like the color, just say you don't like the color. I mean, I don't even know why I try to look nice for you. Wait, what just happened here? Why don't you think I'm pretty? Why? Well, hold on, I do think you're pretty. Well, you never say it. Sorry, I think you're pretty. Who can't say it now? I just told you to say it. I mean, that totally doesn't even count. Oh, wait, how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to say unless you tell me what I'm supposed to say? I can't believe you don't love me anymore. I wonder some days what I ever saw in him. Did you know in the mornings when she wakes up, her breath will melt your face off? He farts and then holds my head under the covers. That's not okay. Honestly, I'm a little scared because I think I might have married my mother. Well, I wouldn't have to act like his mother if he didn't act like a child. I mean, close the refrigerator door, pick up your shoes, take out the garbage. Seriously, how hard is it to obey? She can't cook. I think she's slowly trying to poison me with her food. Okay, two words. Road rage. Two words. Shopaholic. Have I mentioned he still has his comic book collection from junior high? Did I mention that she still makes fun of me for having a comic book collection from junior high? He's addicted to television. She's addicted to purses. And... I don't understand this, but for some reason, she manages to lose every purse she owns in the house. Seriously, how hard is it to lose something this big? I thought we were supposed to be on the same team. Uh, I'm still on the same team. Apparently, you defected, started playing for some other team that you made up in your mind. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, you don't make any sense. Well, your gummy bears don't make any sense. Oh, you're stupid. Well, you're stupid. You made me this way. Ah! I'm sorry, too. The purpose of marriage isn't to make us happy. It's to make us holy. Because we become more like him. I promise to love, honor, and respect you as you become more like him. And I promise to love, cherish, and protect you as you grow to become more like him. Like him. Just like him. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not going to be easy. But it is good. And anything that good is always worth fighting for.
like him, they said. Like him. The ideal marriage isn't made of two, it's made of three. It has someone else as part of it, which isn't some weird sort of sexual thing. It means having Jesus Christ as part of the marriage as well. And really, that's the point of the passage that we've been reading uh, that Darren read to us earlier in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Having Jesus Christ at the center of your marriage is a thing that can make all the difference. Because actually, he is the ideal partner. All the things that we said a few moments ago, those words, trust, unconditional trust, and love, and forgiveness. That's what Jesus Christ can bring into the relationship. But it's not that that I really want to speak about this morning. I want to pick up on something that I've said on each occasion over the past three weeks. And that is how in the Bible, marriage is a picture not only of the union of a man and a woman, of course, but marriage is a picture of the union that God wants to have with us as human beings. So we're going to have a look at that this morning. And really, that's the wow part of marriage, I believe. Really, it's a picture of how somebody becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of being a Christian. And if you've still got your Bibles open in Ephesians 5, I think you'll see how it's picked up in some of the verses that we have here. So how is marriage a picture of the union that God wants to have with each one of us? Well, what does it say in verse 25? It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loved the church. Now, the word was mentioned when I said, what are the ideal things that we should see in a partner? Love was mentioned. And uh, wherever you're thinking of marriage, whenever you're thinking of relationships between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, then the word love will always come up. And What is the common view of love that we have in this culture, this world in which we live? Well, very often, love and sex go together. Very often, we talk about sex as making love, as if it can be manufactured in that way through that process. I'm never quite sure that would be something interesting to unpack, wouldn't it? But very often, we think of sex and love. Very often, when we think of love, we think of something that's quite woolly and comfortable and soppy and nice and cuddly and warm, and it comes... And it, and it goes. Sometimes we think that love is something that you fall into and you fall out of. It's not there consistently. It goes with the feelings that you have. It goes with the weather that comes. Often the love that we talk about, we think about, is conditional. I will show love to you if you show love back to me. But when we read about the love that Christ has for us, and when we read in the Bible the sort of love that God is speaking about, it takes it to a very different level altogether. The Bible says this, that God has demonstrated his love in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God is quite unique because he doesn't wait till we get better. He doesn't wait till we get our act, to better, our act together. He doesn't wait until we are better people. The Bible says, while we were still in a state of rebellion against him, while we were still sinners, God has demonstrated his love for us in sending Jesus to die for us. 
perhaps the best known verse in the whole of the Bible, says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Wow, God's love is big, it's bold, it is risky. Really, true love is always risky because it can be rejected. Christ loves us. God has demonstrated his love for us. He looks at you sitting in your seat here this morning, knowing all about you, knowing your past, knowing your future, knowing what's going through your mind at this very moment, which might be how much longer is he going to go on. But God still says, but I love you. And to those who say, well, I don't even believe God exists, God still says, I love you. Well, that is love on a different level altogether. And that's the sort of love that Christ has. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And it says that he gave himself up for her. Now, what does that mean? Well, really, it's Bible shorthand. It's shorthand for the fact that Jesus died for us. That's what it means. Christ loved us so much that he died for us. Now, there are plenty of love stories around which talk about love and sacrifice. How somebody loves somebody so much that they are willing to lay down their lives for the individual. It's in all our songs that we sing, or we heard sung to us. I heard just yesterday morning Lamar being interviewed on breakfast uh, television, and uh, somebody asked him, why is love so much at the center of popular songs these days? And actually, he didn't really know why. He just says, it is, because it's something that affects each one of us. And so often, you will see in a love song, there is this element of sacrifice as well. It's in the books that are written. It's in the films that we see. Um, I don't know why this particular film came to my mind, but do you remember, it, it was about 20 years ago it came out, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the Kevin Costner film. And there was a song that came out at the same time as the film by Brian Adams, the Canadian singer. Yeah, It was in the charts for, I don't know how many weeks, I think it broke loads of records because it was number one for months on end. Everything I do, I do for you. I'd walk the wire for you. I'd lie for you. I'd die for you. And that is a sentiment that runs through so much of our culture about love. There is sacrifice there as well. The Bible says that Christ loved us so much that he gave himself for us. But the death of Jesus Christ is far more than just a demonstration of love, as wonderful as that might be. But actually, if you think about it, demonstrating love by laying down your life for someone, per se, just that, is a bit strange, isn't it? I mean, just think with me. You know, imagine a, a, a couple of lovers walking alongside a river, and one is trying to explain to the other. The bloke is trying to explain to the woman how much he loves you. I really love you, darling. I can't express how much I love you. I'd die for you. In fact, I'm going to do that now. And so the man jumps into the river, and as he goes under the water, out of his mouth he says, I love you, and this is how much I love you, and he drowns. And the woman is left standing there going, right, he loves me, 
And he said he's willing to die for me, and he's just done that. Mm, bit strange, isn't it, just by itself? A demonstration of love? Mm. But imagine a similar scenario. A man and a woman walking alongside the river, and again, the man is saying, I love you, I, I, I'd die for you, I'd do anything for you. And, and, and the woman slips, and she falls into the river, and she can't swim. And she's thrashing around. What does the man do? Well, actually, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't keep on saying, oh, I love you, I love you. He jumps into the river. He grabs hold of her. And he drags her to the bank. And he pushes her eventually into safety. But hypothermia has taken its toll on him. And he's out of any strength. And he slips under the water and he dies. In demonstrating his love, he has achieved something without any words. Now, Christ loves the church. God loves you. And Christ died for you, not just as a demonstration of love, but it achieved something. It did something. Well, what did the death of Christ do? Well, let me try again, explain it. And this is something I'm sure that many of you have seen, but it helps me understand the reason why Christ died and how the death of Christ demonstrates his love. Look, you and I are not perfect. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you think you're perfect, because if you did, I'd say, well, that's a lie to start with. We have all messed up. Some of us big time, some of us perhaps not so big, but actually we're all sinners, the Bible says. We've all done things wrong. As we go through life, the number of things we do wrong mounts up, and sometimes it weighs down on us, and it messes our lives up. It messes the lives of those around us, particularly in those close relationships that we have. But most of all, it messes up our relationship with God. It means that God seems a million miles away. He doesn't seem relevant to the life I'm living why is that? Is it because God is a million miles away? No, it's because the stuff that we do wrong, our sin, cuts us off from God. And so we are dead to God, distant from God. It's true of every individual who's been born into this world, except for Jesus Christ, who came into this world and lived a perfect life, never thought, said, or did anything wrong. There was never a blockage between him and God a perfect relationship. God sent Jesus into this world because God loves us so much. But he wanted to do something about our problem. And the way that God has dealt with our problem, the common human problem of our wrong, of our evil, of our sin, is that when the perfect Jesus Christ went to that cross, when he died, it was far more than the physical agony he suffered there, although that was bad enough. But the Bible says that God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. All our sin was put on the perfect Jesus Christ so that you and I need not suffer the consequences of our sin and we could have a relationship with God. That, in a small way, is an illustration of how the death of Jesus Christ not only demonstrates God's love for us, but it has done something for us. It has taken the problem of our sin, the human condition, off us 
and put it on the perfect Jesus Christ so that we need not suffer the consequences for the things that we've done wrong. That is how God has demonstrated his love through the death of Jesus by dealing with the human problem. And why has he done this? Why has Christ demonstrated his love in this way? Well, in fact, the verses from the Bible tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. You see, when Christ died on that cross and took all our sin on himself, he transferred to us all his goodness and holiness and purity and righteousness so we could be presented to God holy and pure and blameless. It wasn't so much just taking away our sin and our wrong that the death of Christ achieved, but so much came our way as a result. It was um, just over a year ago, wasn't it, when there was the royal wedding of Wills and, and Kate. And um, now, I know that, again, this is not a perfect illustration, but Kate, before she married Wills, was a commoner, yeah? Her surname was Middleton. Now, that's not too unusual. It's not even double-barreled, is it? Middleton, no. no. Uh, I know a few Middletons. Now, I know she was perhaps upper-middle class, but she certainly wasn't royal. But when she married William, wow, what came her way because of that union? Well, she became a princess. Yeah. She suddenly became wealthy, far wealthier than she ever imagined she'd be. Suddenly, there was a whole future laying ahead of her, part of the royal family, and one day she will be queen. Wow! All that came her way. Why? Because of her union to this man, William. Now, as I said, it's not a perfect illustration, but it is, in a small way, a picture of what comes our way when we become a follower of Jesus Christ. Not only does Jesus deal with the problem of our sin and its consequences, we now become a member of God's family. We now become holy and pure in God's sight because of what Jesus has done. And wow, there is such a future for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Now that's really the wow. So much comes our way because Christ loved us and he gave himself for us. So do you see how, in a way, marriage is a picture of what God wants for us? How he wants us to come into union with him to deal with the problem of our sin and to set so much at our account. Now, I might not be right in this, but I don't think anybody can ever accidentally get married. I don't think you can ever walk down the street, past a church where a marriage ceremony is taking place, and suddenly be drawn into that church, and the vicar suddenly put you next to a man or a woman and say, I now pronounce you husband and wife, and suddenly, wow, I didn't wake up this morning and think that would happen. It, it doesn't work like that, does it? Neither can you sort of catch a marriage 
If you are single and you go into a room full of married couples, it's not like a virus. And suddenly you'll find, oh, I've caught it. Now I'm married. No. It's, it's a deliberate thought process and a decision process that you go through that culminates in the ceremony at some point where the question is asked, will you? And the response is, I will, or I do. And at that point when the decision is taken, you are married. Now, so it is with becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't somehow catch it. Being with Christians is good, but you don't become a Christian by being with Christians. Just because my parents were married doesn't mean that I get married. It's a decision I have to make. Just because your parents are Christians doesn't make you a Christian. It's a decision you have to make. As I said right at the very beginning, that's a decision I'm going to ask you this morning. Have you ever joined to God through Jesus Christ? It's a little bit like a a marriage ceremony. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you've said, yes, Christ, I realize that you love me. I realize that you died for me. Now I want to commit myself to you because I need you in my life. Well, you can do that. You can do it this morning. It's a deliberate decision that you need to take. So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. And I'm going to pray as if I was taking that decision for the very first time in my life as if I was making a commitment to Jesus Christ. And you can pray like this. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. And perhaps you can just take a few moments to think of some of those things. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything in my life that I know is wrong. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died on that cross so that I could be forgiven and be set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I now receive those gifts. Please come into my life and transform my life forever as I make this commitment to you. In your name. Amen. And let's keep our heads bowed. And if this morning, for the very first time, you have made that commitment to Jesus Christ, please make sure that you do not leave the school without telling somebody that you have done that. You can come and tell me, or perhaps there's somebody you know a little better here, part of the Abbey Church. You tell them this morning you prayed that prayer for the first time. Because you have made a commitment that will transform your life that will affect your eternity. And you will need help in living a life of commitment to Christ. So you make sure that you tell somebody if you prayed that prayer this morning.
dear God, thank you that you love us, despite where we've been, what we're like. Thank you for sending Jesus to deal with the problem of our sin. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you for so much that comes our way when we commit ourselves to you. Help us to live in the good of that, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I'm going to hand back to Darren, who's got a closing song for us. But may I encourage you again, that if you prayed that prayer, please make sure that you have a word with someone before you leave this morning. Thank you, Darren.